Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can learn English in depth and detail. I'm Tim Sexton, an English teacher, polyglot, world traveler, and writer from the United States. I'm also the author of Words for Numbers, which is a resource where you can learn about 500 words um, used in academic uh, IELTS Task 1 academic writing and for describing business data. Um, you can find that at www.patreon.com slash words for numbers. This week's episode is about how I learned Russian. Now, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are from Russia or nearby countries where people speak Russian, and so maybe I thought it would be interesting for people to hear um, things from the other perspective, um, what it's like to be an English speaker learning Russian rather than the other way around, and also what it's like to, um, you know, find out what it was like for your teacher when your teacher was a student. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, reverse situation in two different ways. Um, so I guess the first question that's worth asking is not just about me and my experience learning Russian, it's about if Russian is actually hard for English native speakers. So, um, I'm going to talk about a few things in uh, different categories, sounds, vocabulary, um, grammar, um, and language learning resources. So as far as sounds go, most of the sounds in Russian are also in English. But um, you also have this problem with the soft signs. You know, you have a T and a soft sign, like T and then or duh and duh. It's a kind of kind of hard. Maybe I didn't say those exactly rightly, um, but um, they're not terribly hard. But when you're in the flow of a conversation, it can be hard to do it correctly. That's not a tragedy, but it does mean that it can be harder for us to understand what people are saying because you know there are these small, relatively small differences for us um, between sounds, and it you know it makes it hard to understand um, what people are saying in detail. There can be a little bit of guesswork involved. You get better at it though. Um, also, another thing that's difficult is that there are um, clusters of consonants. So a consonant cluster is like stra street, or um, grow, gr. And most of the consonant clusters in English and in Russian are the same, but there are some in Russian that we don't have in English, and they're kind of unnatural to us, like vstv. Like chuvstvovoch, you know, that's it's not easy to do. Um, so. We also have a situation where you have um, sound clusters in Russian that are normal for English speakers, but they're placed in places, parts of the word that are not normal for us. For example, in English, it's common to have a vz at the end of a word, but not at the beginning of a word. So, you know, we have lives, but in Russian, the word for take is vziach, and it's not super easy to pronounce. Um, so, moving on to vocabulary. Um, obviously, there's not much that's shared um, between the two, at least not that's, you know, strikingly obvious. This is not French or Spanish or something where systematically almost every word that ends in, like, T-I-O-N is the same in the other language. You know, if we're learning Spanish, información, information, um, confirmación, confirmation, and there, you know, there are hundreds of words like this, so immediately, um, as an English speaker, you have a huge advantage in learning a language like that. You have a lot of vocabulary right from the start. In Russian, that's not really true. Um, you know, it's more the case that in Russian there are words here and there um, that there are some words that are shared. You know, mach for mother, noch for uh, night, plamya for flame. Uh, the P and the F sometimes change into each other. Um, so, 
you know, you can't really build dialogues and, and have conversations using this stuff. In French and Spanish, if you're an English speaker, there's enough stuff that's common or uh, that's shared or that's simply used all the time that, you know, you can say a lot of stuff within, you know, a couple of months and be understood and understand a lot of what people are saying. Um, so, yeah, in Russian, that's not the case. Um, it's more like occasionally there's a word that's similar to the English one and it helps you out. It's not super often. Um, also, the word parts in Russian tend to have pretty predictable meanings. You have like maroz, marazilnik, zamarajivot. So maroz is um, uh, frost, marazilnik is a freezer, and zamarajivot is to freeze something. Um, also in Russian, you know, you have these like verbal prefixes like pri for arriving, vui um, for movement out of something. Um, and there's lots of them, but they always do the same thing. So it's it's not too complicated, and you can build a lot of words using just a few parts. Um, so the way words are built in Russian is largely similar to the way they're built in English. You know, you have a prefix, you have a root, and you have a suffix. Um, it's just that the actual parts are different. So the, the principles are the same, but the actual pieces are different. So overall, the vocabulary is not insanely difficult, although it is, it's kind of challenging. Um, Grammar. Let's move on to grammar. Um, it is hard, um, but it's not insanely difficult. Um, so in English, we don't have gender. We don't think of cars and books as being feminine, airplanes as being masculine, and like a movie theater as being uh, neuter. It's hard to get used to that. And then, in addition to knowing that about each word, you have to modify the forms of the words that get used with those words. So that's kind of a pain in the butt. Um, and also the verbs are hard. Um, because you have to memorize them in pairs. So in Western European languages, you take a verb, and this is true of English also, you take a verb, and if you want to put it in a different time or have a different person doing it, then you do something with that one verb. And it might be complicated, you know, it might not have a regular past tense form, um, and you might have to use that verb with another verb, you know, have gone or something. You have to do weird stuff with that one verb. Um, but you still have one verb for every action, and in Russian, you've got two different ones every time. So you've got, like, you know, for, to, like, to leave while driving. I don't know what the exact translation is, but you see what I mean. And then, so you got got, and then you've got, and, you know, there's no reliable way just to take one form of the verb. Like, if you know one verb, and then you can automatically know what the other one is, because there aren't really solid rules about how to do that. Um, so, yeah, that makes a lot of difficulties. It's, it's a difficulty in every sentence, basically. You have to know the pairs. Um, you can say the wrong one, and people will still understand you, but, you know, if you don't know the pairs, you won't understand what people are saying. That's not good. So, the last thing is the, um, the cases with grammar. Last thing with grammar is that you have the, these cases where we have to change the endings of the words depending on the role they play in the sentence. For example, the word for book is kniga, and you know, you've got kniga, knigu, uh, knigi, knigie, knigoi. The end of the word changes, and that is very unfamiliar for English speakers. Um, and it takes a lot of practice to, to learn how to do. That is tough. Um, the writing. 
Um, let's talk about the writing. It's actually pretty easy. You know, people think the alphabet is really hard. It's not hard to learn. No, not at all. Um, it also corresponds closely to the way words are pronounced. A lot of the letters are the same. About one-third of the letters look the same and have the same sound. About a third of them have, um, they, they look the same but have a different sound. And then another, um, some of them just are different letters that we don't have in English. Um, Overall, though, you know, it corresponds to what is um, is said, and that means that you can actually learn things by reading. And that's not the case, for example, in like Arabic or Hebrew, where they write only the consonants and not the vowels. Maybe you didn't know that about those languages, but if you know you have the word book, they would not write uh, b o o k. They would write b k, and you would just have to know that the full form of the word is book. So in Russian, that's that doesn't happen. You know what you hear is what you get, um, and that you know helps out a lot. Um, about resources, um, this is not exactly about the language itself, but it's about the resources. There's a lot of them <clears throat> for English speakers. If you go into a bookstore, um, you'll have options for dictionaries. You know you have more than one. You might have two or three that are really good. Um, you've got textbooks on different topics and different levels. The material tends to be kind of dry. It, the textbooks don't look like English textbooks as much where you've got, you know, colorful pictures and stuff. Um, but I actually don't think that stuff helps that much except to motivate people and, you know, get them excited about learning. Um, so, you know, it's not actually too bad, actually. You know, you have a fair amount of resources that are a little bit dry. Um, and this is not some African or American Indian language that nobody's ever heard of and where the culture is completely different um, and there's tones and, you know, the only dictionary was written by a missionary in, in 1970 or something and, you know, you've got to learn using only this dictionary and, and talking to people and figuring out the grammar yourself. No. Everything you need is there. Um, it might, might not be exactly what you want, but it tells you the information you need. Maybe just not in the way you want it presented to you. Um, so overall, how hard is Russian for an English speaker? I'd say on a scale of one to 10, I would give Russian about a three and a half or a four on the difficulty scale. So maybe that's surprisingly low. Um, but everybody seems to think I've been in a lot of places and everyone thinks that their own language is the most complicated language ever. English speakers think this and it's not true. Russian speakers think this is and it's not true. French speakers, everybody thinks their language is hyper, hyper complicated. And I mean, some of them are right. Some of them are more right than others, but um, Russian is not the most insanely complicated language in the world. Um, doesn't have tones. Um, you know, I've, I've described it already. Um, it's not too bad, but it is challenging. Um, so that's about the language itself. Um, and what about me? So I had some, uh, before I went to Russia, I first went to Russia in 2006, and I left in 2009. I went to Kiev in 2009 and left there in 2010. So I had about three and a half or four years of being in, um, you know, places where I used Russian. Um, and I had some advantages before going, advantages for learning Russian. So I had learned French and Spanish in high school, which doesn't help you that much, but it, those languages do have gender. Um, they have masculine and feminine nouns and adjectives. Um, it's not quite the same as with Russian where you have, or, or German, for example, where you have a third gender, but it does help. Um, the concept does. Um, I'd also learned German. German has uh, cases um, like Russian does. It has fewer of them. It has four instead of six, um, but 
um, you know, they're, they're quite similar. And also meanings of words. German helped me a lot with meanings of words because German is different enough from English that you have meanings of words that you don't really expect in English. They're, it's different enough that it feels more foreign than French or Spanish or Italian or something. And so, you know, dealing with words that had unusual meanings and unusual nuances, that, that helped a lot. Um, I also, in terms of learning languages, um, I had experience with learning and not seeing results. And um, knowing that not seeing results was something temporary. Um, so when I learned German in the beginning, you know, I went for a long time and was like, am I learning anything? I mean, okay, I do okay on the tests that I have in university, but am I learning the language? And I kind of felt like no, and then I went to Germany. Um, I studied with a lot of flashcards before I went to Germany. I got a lot of flashcards, made them with, you know, out of paper, and studied probably, you know, over a thousand words. And when I got there, I couldn't understand what people were saying. Uh, my German got a lot better later, but um, I had this feeling with Russian again that, okay, I'm not making any progress, but it has to be leading somewhere. At some point, it is going to get better, and it did. Um, another advantage I have is that I am stubborn. Um, when a person is stubborn, a person does not easily change their opinion or their behavior. They try to keep doing the same thing. Um, sometimes that's bad. Um, for example, I don't know if a person smokes or has some other bad habit, does something annoying, but if you're trying to learn something, being stubborn, um, can be really, really helpful. Even though you think that you're not succeeding, you just keep doing it anyway and punishing yourself and then, okay, I've succeeded. It did work. Um, another one, another advantage that I had was that I knew the alphabet, the Russian alphabet before I went. Um, now I said earlier that the Russian alphabet is easy to learn, um, but you should not underestimate the, the alphabet and the impact that it has. So when I read Russian, I can read Russian reasonably well. Um, you know, I have about a, what they call a C1 level. I, I don't, I'm not a big believer in this A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2 system of measuring people's language ability, especially for reading. But let's just say I have a C1 level. You know, I can read a newspaper. I've read um, several um, novels in Russian. I have to use a dictionary sometimes. There are books that I try to read, and I say, that's too difficult, and I quit. I just give up. Um, but overall, I can read pretty well. And when I read, even when it's a book that I understand well, I notice that my eyes move over the page more slowly. When I read in English, you know, my eyes just dance across the page. You know, I know what words are coming next because I know the collocations, I know how the sentences are built, and it's just, you know, of course it's my native language, but my eyes recognize the letters faster than they do in Russian. Same is true if I read Spanish, for example. I can read on the page and just bam, bam, bam. It's I, I feel how much more quickly my eyes are moving. Um, I've got thousands and thousands of hours. I'm now in my 40s. I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of reading using languages that use the Latin alphabet. That's not true in Russian. I've, I'm, I don't know how many hours I've spent reading, but let's say it's it's a thousand, which is probably 20 times or 30 times less than what I've spent reading in English. Um, so yeah, the alphabet is easy to learn, but that doesn't mean that you're going to like master it. And the fact that you're reading more slowly means that you're learning language more slowly, it takes more time. So it does have an impact. Um, also, before I went to Russia, um, I 
knew some facts about Russian. Um, I knew, for example, that it had six cases. Um, I had heard about this issue with the two verbs, um, and um, I knew only a handful of really useless words. I mean, I didn't even know things like peevil, beer, or something. <laughs> I didn't know the essentials. I didn't know how to say um, car or woman or man or anything. I knew some really random, useless stuff. Um, now, advantages I had when I actually went to Russia. So when I first went to Moscow, I met someone, um, it was an American, um, who had studied Russian um, in university, and he later became a journalist, and he reports on Russia sometimes. And he um, explained to me how the verbs work. Um, the fact that there's two of them, he explained that to me again, and how you have the different um, verb tenses, um, how it's different from English. And that helped a huge amount. I did not know that that was true. And no one of the people that taught me really put it out for me, that fact that you have, like, um, I don't know, you have... Uh, so, so, you know, for the one, the first verb, and then for the second one, you'd have like, uh, he explained it to me very clearly, and none of the other teachers I had actually did that. Um, so it helped a ton, you know, getting that information at an early stage. I was also surrounded by the language 24-7, and even though my job involved speaking English all day, um, there were interactions with people on the street. I did start to get friends, um, and there are signs on the street, and so I picked up a lot of vocabulary that way. And another thing was that I would hear my students when I was giving lessons, and sometimes, you know, we'd use the same textbook, and we'd be on the same page, and someone would not understand a word, and I'd hear people translate it, and, oh, okay, now I know what this word is. Um, and so piece by piece, I started to get words. But um, the main thing was that I got friends. I really made a strong effort to actually talk to people. And, um, you know, I had a girlfriend when I was there, and um, that helps. Um, and um, several really good friends that I'm, you know, I'm in contact with all of them today still. Um, another th another thing was that when I got to the school where I worked, um, I had a 60-hour block of classes for free, and the teacher I had was really enthusiastic and really supportive, and that helped a ton. Oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, 60 hours is, is a lot to, um, to get the basics down, um, and then some, and... Um, also at the time, you know, this is a while ago in Russia, but a lot of, at the time, a lot of people did not speak English. Um, that's still true, but I think in Moscow, um, if somebody's like 15 or 16 years old, probably they speak reasonably good English, you know, maybe lower intermediate. Um, so the fact that people didn't speak English meant that if I wanted to interact with people, I was going to have to, um, you know, use Russian with them. And I could have done the easy thing, like spend time with expats, but I don't like doing that. I like to have a few expat friends when I live abroad, but being friends with just expats, like well, why did I go to whatever country if I'm just going to spend time with Americans there? Um, I don't see the point. Um, now, I did have some disadvantages when I went to, to Moscow for learning languages. One was that I was used to success. Um, you know, French and Spanish are not terribly hard. They're hard, they get harder as you get deeper into them, but the advanced and, you know, maybe, maybe upper intermediate parts of them are hard. Um, but getting to lower intermediate is not like a huge task for an English speaker. So I was, and then there was German also, and that was definitely harder, um, you know, two or three times harder, 
but um, I also succeeded eventually, and I got quite good at German. Not amazingly good, but you know, I had a really respectable level. Um, so I was used to success, and so when I got to that point where it was difficult for me, and I was getting frustrated and upset, you know, why am I not making any progress? And in fact, I was without knowing it. Well, when that happened, um, I wasn't completely sure that I was going to come through and succeed. So I, maybe I would have done better if I'd had a more positive and optimistic attitude. That, you know, that always helps. Um, another thing was that um, I had no experience living in a really big city. I had visited New York City for a total of maybe three days or something. Uh, no, maybe more like six. I went on a trip in 2003 there, and then, um, yeah, a friend of mine won $1,000. He called into a radio station. He was the, the fourth person or something that called, and so they gave him 1000 bucks. He said, let's go to New York. Um, and on my 25th birthday, I went to New York and visited my sister. We have the same birthday. Um, and so a total of like six days in a big city. And Moscow is a huge city, and I come from a, a much smaller one where the total population is like 250,000 people, um, and it's spread out. People live in houses mostly. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually true. Maybe half the people live in apartments. But the parts of the city where I'm used to living, um, you know, it, it's full of people that live in houses. Um, and the houses have distance between them, and, you know, so the population density is low, and um, it just doesn't have nearly as much energy and, and noise, and the air is cleaner. Um, and the culture is in in Moscow is was unfamiliar. Um, so you know, I was living in a really big city, which I was not used to. Noise, honestly, pretty <laughs> significant number of weird people that I met, um, and it was stressful. Um, so that was something that slowed me down. Um, so what actually happened? So I've told you, you know about what's uh, if English is, uh, English speakers have an advantage or disadvantage when learning Russian, advantages that I had, disadvantages and all this stuff, but what actually happened? So, when I got to Russian, or to Moscow in 2006, um, I made some friends, um, I tried to really go out and meet people, um, and I got to talking with them, and I was lucky enough to meet people who helped me learn. Um, that's not always the case, you know, you can just, at times, be in a country and try to speak a language this is especially true in Germany. You're trying to speak German to people, and some of them definitely will be like, oh, that's cool, you're trying to learn the local language. Um, but a lot of them just want a free English lesson from you, and they'll pretend that they don't understand, or they'll, they'll tell you that your accent is terrible, or they're trying to get you to speak English so they get a free lesson out of you. And um, in Russia, that was not the case. The people that I met, um, you know, for the most part, were actually pretty excited that I was learning Russian, and people really um, appreciated that. Um, and at some point, it was maybe after seven months or so, I understood that I had gotten better. This was, again, that kind of point where uh, that I made earlier, where you think you're not getting any results, and then you realize at some point, oh, that period of suffering was actually when I was learning a lot. So after about seven months, I realized that I could read articles, some articles in the newspaper, very slowly and looking at the pieces of the words and saying, oh, oh okay, that word means that. And then I'd go back to the beginning of the sentence because you know I, I had taken so much time to read the whole sentence that um, I'd forgotten what the whole meaning of, the, I'd forgotten the meanings of the other words in the sentence that came before, so I'd have to read it again. But, you know, that was seven months in. So um, 
I could do that, I started to understand some of the basic conversations and more of what my students would say to each other before and after classes when they were speaking with each other. Um, and I spent a lot of time with friends. I did a couple bicycle tours um, outside of Moscow and slept in a tent and, you know, just had a lot of experiences. Um, visited a couple cities in the region, went to St. Petersburg a couple times, and um, yeah, I got reasonably good at Russian. Um, I think my Russian now is probably better than it was back then because I was under a lot of stress. You know, I had a lot of trouble sleeping in that city. And um, in 2008, in any case, um, I took um, the TS Parouskomu Yiziku Kakinastronomu, or TRKI, which is in English, you know, the test for, test of Russian as a foreign language. Um, and I was I was planning on taking it maybe at B2 level. That's what I finally did decide to do. And I passed the test. I got a B2 level. I'd say in reading my levels higher, um, listening, I don't know how to define that, honestly. I think it, it's a little bit hard to just use these letters and numbers and say, oh, that's what my language level is. In any case, let's just say it was B2. It was pretty respectable. And in some areas, it's C1. Um and so overall, I would say that Russian has a reputation for being difficult, but I don't think it's that bad. Um, if you're jumping into it as your first foreign language as an English speaker, it's going to kick your butt, um, and it's going to break your ego. Um, the question is if you just keep going. Um, if you're stubborn, um, if you're willing to fail in order, in order to succeed, you'll do fine. Um, and that's pretty much what I did. So I hope that answered your question, if, um, you know, Russian is hard to learn for English speakers. Um, I think in the future I might do some other um, languages, um, talk about, you know, my experiences learning French and German and maybe Polish. Um, I'm learning Polish now to some extent. Um, I've taken a kind of a long break because I was in Poland for a while and now I'm not. Um, but it's interesting, you know, hearing, hopefully, from the teacher what it's like when the teacher is a student. Um, so, anyway, yeah, that's how it was learning Russian. And that is all for this week. Thanks for listening, and um, we will meet again uh, next Monday, as always. Thanks.